This is G. Craig Lewis here again at EX Ministries with another EX Ministries podcast, Xcast, where we bring the truth of the Lord uncut, unedited in the form of an interview. We bring greetings to you from EX Ministries and I have with me a very important person to me, a, a partner in ministry with me here at EX Ministries, Minister Will Ford. How you doing, Will? Doing great, Pastor. All right. Good to have you here, man. And um Got a lot to talk about, some things that are transpiring in the body of Christ. I just want everyone to know that it's no secret that we are willing to talk about things that others may not be willing to talk about. And we're willing to hold anything up to the light of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring clarity to the body of Christ. And we kind of want to deal with this Eddie Long controversy, this Eddie Long incident that he is being charged with and its effect on the body of Christ. And maybe some things even deeper than that. But we want to get into this. I wrote a blog about it called Baal Worship, and I put that blog up, I think, at 12 noon on Monday. And by 12 noon on Tuesday, we literally had 20,000 hits on that blog. I mean, we haven't had anything like that before. I think the only thing that could have come close to it was our Jezebel's Finest Hour, the first one, Mm -hmm. which was a very popular blog. But this particular blog... It was just, I mean, it was just unbelievable how it has affected uh, people and the different comments and different things. But even before that, on Monday of last week, about 3 a.m., I was in the bed and I I was awakened and I I thought I just couldn't sleep. So I kept trying to go back to sleep and I tried for almost an hour to go back to sleep. And then I remembered, you know, the story of Samuel and all the different things my grandmother used to tell me and mom and everything. So I said, well, maybe God is, maybe God wants to talk, you know. And so I just asked the Lord just, just then I said, God, if, if there's something that you're trying to tell me, go ahead and tell me. And I mean, within seconds of me saying that, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost like never before. This has happened to me probably five times since I've been uh, minister mm-hmm. and he literally infilled me with his presence so great it felt like i was gonna be lifted off the bed wow. i mean it was that powerful and so i knew there was something he was gonna speak and he mm-hmm. spoke to me at that moment and said warn my people mm-hmm. he said something's about to hit the body of christ so warn my people have them pray mm-hmm. and of and then he said turn the hourglass over mm-hmm. so you know that meant the time so i got up went to twitter went to facebook went to our EX Times, everything, all of our different outlets, and I put it on there. I posted that warning mm-hmm. online, and I told people, turn the hourglass over. Uh, something's about to happen in the body of Christ. God spoke it to me, and then I dated it, which was representative of the hourglass, I believe, that God mm-hmm. you know, told me to put a date on it. Mm-hmm. So I dated it. You know, I've never done that before. Very leery of it, you know, hoping that it wasn't a pizza experience, yeah, right, but right, I knew right. by the power <laughs> that was in my ro- in my room while I was laying there, I knew it was God. And so the presence of God was just in your room the whole time this was going on. Like, yeah. Yeah. When wow. he was speaking to me, I felt him in me totally, like totally feel to my fingertips. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I mean, it was just I mean. That's the way I felt when he gave me the vision for EX Ministries and pretty much every vision that has happened to me, mm-hmm. it's the same experience. Wow. So I felt that. So I got up with all confidence because I just knew, you know, I'm like, this is God. So I mm-hmm. put it on there, put the date on there and everything. And then less than 24 hours, Tuesday morning, CNN broke the story about Bishop Eddie Long. <sighs> and I knew exactly what it was. 
when that had happened. Now, I want you to share with the people something that you brought to my attention about that because I hadn't even connected the dots. Right. Well, Go ahead and tell them yeah. what you told me. Well, here's what's so funny about it. Normally, I, I, I do a lot of, people know me, I do a lot of prophetic intercessory stuff. I do uh, events with, uh, you know, large gatherings. We do solemn assemblies mm-hmm. and uh, like the call and other things. And we had one first of its kind in Atlanta that we were going to do, Isaiah 818, uh, the, the sign gathering. Isaiah 818 says, me and the children of the Lord are giving up for signs and wonders in Israel. And we were going to do a gathering knowing that African-Americans, especially the black church, has been a signpost for what God wants to do in this nation. And not only that, uh, uh, we used to be the spiritual backbone for this nation, but we're off course. And so myself and several other you know, intercessors and, 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 and prayer leaders, uh, especially folks even in the pro-life movement felt like God was really leading us to do this prayer gathering I don't have time to go into all the different things ways God confirmed this but what I'm laughing at is that this is the first one that you ever said hey I think I'm supposed to be a part of this one <laughs> so, so normally you're just like right, I'll leave all that stupid weird stuff to weird or whatever <laughs> not that you think it's just, what, what, what we do is stupid y'all don't get it like that but we're different it's a cut. joke people it's, it's a joke, it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> it's a different, we're a different yeah. cut we're a different breed but anyway but he values honestly Craig values what I, what I do and he was uh, very much supported but he was going to come but because of health reasons said you know what maybe I need not to come but I asked him, I said, you know, we, we're doing this gathering in Atlanta, 12-hour tw- solemn assembly, and we're praying and repenting over, of course, the abortion issue, pr- rep- praying and repenting over uh, uh, just the, the foolishness that's going on, even in the black church and, and all these things, praying, crying out for a spiritual awakening. So I, I asked you, I said, since you can't come, if, you know, if, if people are going to ask me, you know, what, what would you like to contribute in terms of what you feel like God is saying in this hour with this you know, what, what would you have me say on your behalf? And what you told me was you, you need to tell him that the, that God is saying right now that he's turning the hourglass over on Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And this very well could be Atlanta's last chance for the pastors and the leaders there. I'm like, well, that's interesting because, you know, we're holding a gathering in Atlanta because we felt like, yeah, Atlanta is catalytic to everything that God has done through the, through the black church, black community here in this nation. And so many things that are catalytic happen. Uh, through the black community and to the nation through Atlanta. It's the gateway of the South, we believe. But uh, but we felt like, yeah, okay, this is more of a national gathering, but you felt like, okay, God, God was doing something in Atlanta specifically. And, uh, well, I'll tell you that, but when we ha- had our gathering there, we, we had, of course, our time with praying and repenting over abortion, but the most intense time that we had during that prayer gathering was when we started repenting over the sins of the pastors and leaders in the black church, mm. it was it was it was incredible. Uh, I mean, there there was a time we got up and we walked to the podium. Each 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 uh, each speaker, each leader walked up to the podium and repented over the inclusion doctrine, over prosperity teaching being overbalanced, faith teaching being overbalanced, and pre- repented over homosexuality, repented over abortion, repented over uh, adultery, divorce, all those things. And uh, we have a picture of it, but we literally were on our faces the whole time. And uh, that was one of the most intense times we had during that time period. I mean, people were in full, some folks were in full-blown just travail and wailing during that time period. And so... Uh, when I saw that hourglass go up uh, on the website on the, on the 20th, I thought, man, well, you know, what's, what, what's up with this? And two things came, came to mind. One 
was some things, of course, related to some things nationally that, that could be going on with D.C. But more importantly, the other thing that came to my mind was what you told me about Atlanta back when we had the gathering just a month earlier. And then the other thing that's significant, too, you were in Atlanta the week before we were. Mm-hmm. And led, you know, folks uh, in Atlanta through a time of prayer repentance. Again, at the end, you know, you're doing troop iron hip hop, but at the end, you had people, you know, going to a time of crying out for mercy for the leaders there in yeah. Atlanta. So, uh, basically, I mean, of course, nobody can k- take credit for what's going on. Right. Basically, God is just shouting this thing uh, as loud as he can that, look, it's, he, he's calling us to the threshing floor mm-hmm. uh, as a people. And he's trying to purify his bride because he's trying to get us ready for his appearing. And uh, it, this is, w- w- whatever way this thing shakes out, the, the truth of the matter is everything that can be shaken is being shaken in this hour. So Yeah, and, and one thing people need to realize, and I want people to really get a good understanding of this. Uh, I want to look in the camera and say this. Put the camera on me, Tim. <laughs> the, <laughs> I want them to get a good understanding. You know, people watch us or listen to what we do and they automatically assume we're not praying i i I don't understand that you know the first comment out of everybody's mouth is y'all need to pray why are you talking about it why are you dogging out the bishop why are you this and that this why don't y'all pray about it why don't you people don't realize that what's happening now is a result (laughs) it's a result of of years of prayer how long have we been doing 5 a.m prayer will for uh our ministry that started back in what february it started back in yeah started back in february but i had a group of people praying even back in uh 07 yeah praying and uh because yeah, y'all were doing the intercession for ex ministry yeah for ex ministry now more 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 formal you know with, yeah. with uh, arlington bible church ex ministries we have time going up uh we've been, been doing that since yeah, February 22nd of this year. Yeah, 5 a.m. So, uh, I mean, we're up praying. Uh, you guys are calling these things out. And people have to realize that, you know, there there's a time to pray, but then there's a time to watch. Yeah. Because the prayers are going to do one of two things. You know, the prayer is either going to uh, uh, call forth the mercy of the person yeah. or the prayer is going to call forth the judgment of the person. Right. And so, you know, we've been praying and I'm telling you, I held that blog off. I, I did not want to do that blog. And I was waiting to see Sunday morning. I said, God, you know, I know you want me to do this. I actually spoke the message Sunday about this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, really concerned about what Bishop Long was going to get up and do. I was hoping he would get up with a heart of repentance right. uh, because, you know, we we can use scriptures all day long, but, you know, according to um, uh, the scripture about uh, um, bringing an accusation against an elder. Right. The Bible says two or three witnesses. Right. You got four guys here. So they actually yeah. are within biblical right. uh, uh, the biblical mandate of having a certain amount to bring forth an accusation. Right. So why is the church automatically assume that these guys are lying? Why does the church automatically assume that this is an attack right. on the man of God? Right. You know that's that's ridiculous. Right. But what I want people to know is, yeah, we we do pray. You know, that's what you did in Atlanta. That's what I did in Atlanta. You did it with a group of people. You called this stuff out. Y'all were praying for this. Right. The warning signs, the warning shots, everything was given. Right. And this has been what people really don't know about us is this has been something that we have been dealing with for several years. Several now. years. You know, before EX Ministries even was, God had given me a vision. And I'm going to talk about this vision real quick and yeah, then I'll let ahead. you talk about the yeah. other part. Yeah. 
God gave me a vision back in 91. I was speaking at a maintaining integrity and gospel music uh, function. And I was on the program. I think V. Michael McKay was on there. And then Carlton Pearson was on the program. Mm -hmm. And I, I was supposed to go first because I'm the one that nobody knew. The only reason I was on the ticket was because my brother-in-law put it together. So <laughs> I'm on the ticket. You know, I don't, you know, I'm just a, a, a fresh new preacher. Nobody knows who I am, whatever. We're not doing the ex-ministries or anything at the time. So I'm looking to go first, say what God tells me to say, got got a few things written down, and then I'm going to sit down and let the let the big shots go after that. You know, because at the time, Carlton Pearson was doing his Azusa thing. I mean, he was the biggest thing right. since sliced bread in the right, church. So right, right. Even his flight or something got changed to where he had to go first hmm. and he because he had to fly out early i was like man i hate he's going first i can't get up behind carlton person right, and right. do anything you know right. he's gonna get up there and sing and clown and act the fool and then you know i'm like man i'm not gonna be able to compete with this so i'm like lord what are you doing so he gets up and he begins to um you know, use the Bible, of course, out of context and basically use Hebrew and Greek to confuse everybody and tell them pretty much everything you know is not what it really means. Everything grandmother told you is wrong. Everything you thought meant one thing, it really means another. Mm -hmm. And so everybody in the audience was scratching their heads like, you know, I mean, they were like. I can't trust what I know, so I guess I better trust the preacher. Right. And then he begins to give small doses of inclusion. He's wow. always done that. If you go back and this watch his videos, when? this is in 91. Wow. If you go back and watch his stuff even before that, there were always small portions of this doctrine he was injecting in there. I mean, he would always inject it in. So mm -hmm. anyway, he's injecting these small portions of inclusion. He begins to talk about how we need to welcome the homosexuals, bring the homosexuals in, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, this dude is off the chain. But the people are with him because he pretty much shot them down with what they already knew. So their wow. confidence in the word was already dismantled. Mm -hmm. So now he has them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a Jim Jones trick that Jim Jones got from Father Divine. Mm. If people would do their research, you find out that's the first thing you do is you shoot the Bible down or you shoot the people's confidence in understanding the Bible down. Mm. Then they're totally dependent on what you say. And once they're dependent on what you say, you can say anything. Wow. And that's what he was doing. So by the time he finishes, the people are like, you know, just kind of spooky like. And then V. Michael said a few things. Then it was time for me to get up. Mm -hmm. When I was walking to the podium, God says, okay, you know what you got to do. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not listening to you right now. I'm going to stick to my notes and read this and I'm going to sit down. Yeah. God said, no, you got to go against what this man said. I need you to stand up mm. and speak against this. Speak the truth. You know, and I'm like, Lord, I, I want to read what I already prepared. You know, <laughs> but I did. I got up behind him, got up and said, you know, this is not you know, a, I mean, whatever it was we were saying, I, I went against it. Mm -hmm. And man, I was shaking in my boots because this guy was world renowned. Oh, and yeah. here I am. Yeah. So that night I was crying. You know, I was, uh, we actually got to stay in the hotel where we spoke. And that night I was crying. I was like, Lord, you know, uh, I just feel so bad because I know nobody heard me. And this guy is, you know, everybody knows him. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and gave me a vision then, Will. And uh, the Holy Spirit showed me that. What the devil was doing was a chess. He was it was a chess game, mm -hmm. and he was putting his pieces in place. And what he was gonna do? Now God showed me plain as day was put a homosexual over every black movement in the black church. Wow. So every black denomination, he was gonna have a homosexual pedophile in charge of it. So he was gonna dismantle the anointing and the things that God, you know how. 
uh, the African Americans have been able to birth mm-hmm. uh, new ideas, new anointings, all the different things that yeah. we've been able to do yeah. uh, as African Americans. He's going to dismantle it by placing a uh, file man over every movement in leadership. Man, I couldn't believe it. God spoke that to me. Then, you know, Carlton Pearson at the time was the one. God told me that he was the gatekeeper. So he was letting them all in through Azusa. So all the ones that were already wow. famous was one thing. Right. But there were several men that nobody knew about. And I'm not going to call their names on here. But there were several men nobody knew until Carlton Pearson made him famous. But wow. then when Carlton came out with his inclusion doctrine, they all turned their backs on him. Mm-hmm. Because he's messing with the money, of course. Mm-hmm. So they turned their backs on him and left him high and dry. So when they left him high and dry and he was labeled a heretic, Holy Spirit spoke to me again. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, you got to hear this. I said, God just told me that Carlton's going to be back. God said he's going to come back. But this time he's going to come back with the inclusion doctrine and the others are going to submit to him again. So everybody he made famous is going to one day be back under him. Now, this is 20 years ago. Well, well, 10 years ago on that part, 10 years ago. Turn on CNN yesterday. Right. Carlton's on there. Right. The lady just pretty much tells him, you're our man now. You're the go-to man. So when anything happens in the black church, guess who we're calling? Carlton Pearson. I mean, my mouth was just open. I said, Lord, this thing is taking shape right now. This chess game. I mean, it's taking Mm -hmm. shape because you can look at all the black major denominations. I'm not going to call their names, but all the major movements, mega conferences, major denominations. Who's in the front of them? A homosexual. So we're here now, right here. Right here. And men are being accused now of what Eddie Long is being accused of. And that's like one of the first things that the scripture tells us that can't happen to a bishop. Mm. (laughs) You know, when it tells us in Timothy, the qualifications, Mm. he's got to have a good reputation inside and outside, inside and outside of the church. And now Jay Leno every night is making fun of Bishop Eddie Long and all the comedians and Nobody, I mean, it's like nobody cares. I mean, the the church members are still crying and snotting over this situation and they haven't even opened their eyes to realize we're at a very dangerous time. It's a critical hour. Critical, critical hour. And another thing that people don't realize about this situation, I'm going to let you talk about it, was this situation isn't new to us at all. Um, There are some things that transpired even with the young men that are bringing forth the charges, not those specific young men, but some other young men. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, just back about three years ago, uh, you received an email from a young man saying that uh, he had been involved sexually with a very well-known bishop, and he was trying to get out of the situation, trying to get away from uh, the whole uh, way that this network was running. And... uh, came to you for help so you sent it to me just to make sure hey look into this you know and you get stuff like this from time to time or whatever but so we looked into it and if it was somebody who was trying to just uh, you know blow smoke or whatever they, this person wouldn't have handled it the way they handled it mm-hmm. and uh, this person was I believe sincere uh, after got passed to me he very much didn't need him didn't care much about even being connected to you in this in a sense mm-hmm. but he wanted to uh, get out of the situation he was looking for help and uh, 
uh, looking for freedom. And I also want to expose what was happening so that nobody else will be taken advantage of the way he's being taken advantage of and others like him. And uh, so he was dealing with his situation with his bishop and all. But uh, uh, one, of th- one of the things he began to tell me was just the other people who were involved in this type of just nasty, homosexual, double life uh, within the black church. And he told me d- during that time about a group of young men in Eddie Long's church who were part of the academy at, uh, that had, they had talked and uh, basically the same thing that was going on with him was going on with them. And uh, there was talk about them coming forward back then, but he, he said the whole thing just kind of dissipated. And he told me about some other places around the country, uh, in uh, Virginia and Carolinas and some some of the other places. Dallas. Dallas, Ohio. There's other places where um, this kind of stuff is going on. Um, we found a pastor in his area who can minister to him, and you know we, we passed him over to him. But we haven't heard from that young man since or whatever. Um, he was basically running for his life. He was afraid. He was scared. And um, and so this is what we've been dealing with for about, well, we've been knowing about this situation in, uh, in Atlanta for about three years, just praying into it. Of course, uh, guys have been speaking to other people, saying the same thing or whatever. I mean, you've you've had kids come up to you after uh, you minister and say, please help me. I'm, I'm running for my bishop. Who's your bishop? And they name the bishops. And it's just like, it's, it's just mind-blowing. The stuff that's, that's that's going on. These are young men, so this is homosexual junk that's that's, that's going on. So, um, well, describe some of the things that he he was saying that you know. The, I mean, the similarities between what the accusations are with these guys, with Bishop Long, and then what the, what this guy told you. Well, basically, um, talked about how these folks were were uh, groomed and. Uh, Part of the uh, part of the academy and just brought up in it and uh, and just taken advantage of uh, became the spiritual father in to him in a sense to where it just became this uh, you know this imposing uh, uh, idolatrous figure in their life that they were willing to do anything for uh, with the money you know the cars and stuff like that As a matter of fact in in his particular situation too he had car given to him he had house. That he, that he lived in, everything was provided for him. Um, of course, a lot of that stuff was being tracked too by the the people who were over him. And uh, yeah, because they would actually come in on him sometimes while he was talking to you. Or yeah, a couple he, of times. Yeah, he was like, "How do these people know that you're that I'm talking to you, or whatever?" But you know, there's software out there where you can listen in on you know, phone conversations, and there's tracking devices that you can put on people's cars and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the kind of uh, uh, just the ceiling that he had over him. They just hovered over him, basically, and watched him like a hawk when they when they when they sensed he was trying to get out and trying to get his life together and trying to get get everything back together. Um, but uh, just you know the whole armor bear situation, just uh, run him up and uh, run foul, and uh, it's it's just really it's sad. Well, people need to know the similarities between that and the altar boys in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same situation where you have a man who has an appetite for, you know, young boys or whatever the case may be. 
And so they use uh, the Bible and they use religion uh, to break these guys down. And it's usually disenfranchised kids. Yeah. You know, it's kids who are without a father or the father's not in the home or these kids get in trouble sometimes. Uh, I know a lot of altar boys are a part of a rehabilitation program. Mm -hmm. So they're actually serving the priest, you know, to get out of uh, community service, jail time or juvenile. Well, not jail time, juvenile detention. And so they become altar boys for those reasons. But. You know, because of what is given to them and because of the lavish lifestyle and different things, most of them don't talk. But even if they do talk, they have such a criminal past, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that they can be slandered out of anyone actually believing, you know, their story. Yes, yeah, the athlete who, uh, you know, sleeps around with prostitutes for a reason. So that if anybody ever finds out about it, his wife found out about it and just say, well, you know, she's a slut. She's this. She's that. She's the other. Look at how you going to believe her against me and my, you know, I catch touchdowns for y'all every Sunday. What do you right, mean? Right, right. <laughs> well, exactly. They, well, they, they score touchdowns with sermons every Sunday, too. And so what it does is it, it, they, they use their status. They use who they are in public to, uh, you know, basically destroy and undermine the credibility of other people, uh, the folks that they're taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they choose the people that they choose, you know, on purpose. That's you know, as you study this stuff out, that's what you you start to see, yeah. and it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And there was a, I know one guy that was in, like an organized group of uh, uh, altar boys or not altar boys, organized group of um, uh, armor bearers, I guess, for a, a famous bishop that most people know. Uh, he actually got out of it, and God really saved him and changed his life. Awesome. And he wrote a book. Mm -hmm. And when he released the book, this particular bishop, through his powers and his association, bought the book out of print so that the information would not get out. Yeah. So I want people to know that, y'all, this is a very serious situation that we're talking about. And this is nothing to sneeze at. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of prayer and, and just a lot of, I know, a lot of mornings, especially when we when, when we're taking the prayer from Tuesdays and Thursdays to uh, five days a week every morning. Right. There was a lot of prayer. Uh, for the black church and yeah. calling out the leaders uh, for God to bring them to repentance and all kinds of things. So, uh, you know, we want people to know that it's time to really, really pray uh, for these situations. And, you know, we also not only do we want the mercy of God in the situation, but we want the young boys. We want them, um, you know, we want them out of this. We yeah. want this to stop. This has got to stop. It's got to if stop. If you were to hear the stories. coming from this young man, coming from these boys, trying to get out of this. One of the things he told me is that there's one particular church where guys would come forward wanting to get out of homosexuality. They said, okay, let's take them back in the bag. And they said, we're going to anoint you with oil and get that demon out of you. They would strip the person naked, pull all over him, and then basically masturbate them until they ejaculate and then they say okay we got that demon out of you and twist these kids minds and mess with these kids minds like that that's what I'm saying is there's two sides to every story in this thing I'm not I'm not calling this any long thing on the carpet or whatever it's, it's gonna come out the way it's, it's gonna come out but the truth of the reality is this stuff is going on yeah 
And these boys need people to undergird them in prayer, just like Eddie Long needs people to undergird them in prayer, just like all these other bishops need people to undergird them in prayer. We're looking at a cycle of abuse that has gone on for 20, 30, 40 50 years because somebody messed with that person somebody messed with that bitch when he was a, a, a spiritual son to somebody else it's, it's got to stop and the Lord is putting his hand on it right now and saying thus far and no more we can't play games with this stuff anymore we got to look at this thing for what it is and it's time for true restoration true repentance and true healing to come in other words, it's time for the artificial revival that's been going on with the big black megachurch to shut down so that God can release the authentic revival. Mm-hmm. He gave me a dream about this um, back during this time, too. In the dream, I was at a, in a convalescent home. And in the convalescent home, there was this black pastor who was over it. And a lot of people were there. And all these people were in the convalescent home. They, all, they, were, like, they were cancer victims. And they were connected to artificial breathing machines. And the machines would, you know, you know, pump air inside of them, whatever. And they all were like comatose. And so this pastor, he said, as you can see, you know, the money that you give and your generosity really helps us to keep these machines going so that we can sustain life. So we just really need you to increase your support right now because the need is so great. Won't you help us? And everything sounded really good, man, until I kept looking at this one particular lady. And I saw the machine making her chest go up and down. And I realized, I said, hold up. I, I remember it being at my, at my aunt's death when she died. I was there when she died. And she'd been dead five minutes, but her chest was still spinning because the machine, the ventilator, was still connected to us. I said, hold up, this lady's not, she's not alive. She's dead. Then I realized... All the multitudes of people in that in, the, in that house were really dead. They were only looking like they were alive because of the machine that was pumping air into them. And I looked at that pastor, and he looked at me, and he was like awestruck because he's like, "Oh my God, the, the gig is up!" Because now the people are going to really know that there's no real life going on here. We just been pumping people up all this long, all this time. I woke up from the dream in tears, and the Lord told me. He said, not every black megachurch, but in most of the black megachurch, a lot of the black megachurch is going on right now. People are there in there. They have a name that they're alive, but they're really dead. And all that is taking place is an artificial revival. Mm-hmm. And people have been hyped up and pumped up with messages that have carried them from day to day, sermons that have no real substance and that's all that's taking place. And God is saying he wants to shut down this machine so that he can release authentic revival. You look at Matthew 21, powerful scripture. Matthew 21, starting at about verse 12, Jesus comes in. He comes in as the prophet because that's what they announced him as in verse 11. They said, and the multitudes were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. He comes in. What does he do? He comes into the temple for the first time in a long time. Jesus entered the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Listen, he comes in and he casts them out. That's the same Greek word for casting out demons that he used. Mm-hmm. It's that religious spirit. He was casting it out. And so he, he gets a whip and he cracks the whip and he 
drives all these people out. But when he gets to the place where they're selling the doves, he clicks. You know why? And you know why this? Because the dove, dove represents his presence. Mm-hmm. He was tired of people merchandising the anointing. So he comes in, he turns over the tables, and then he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a robber's den. That's what he says. And the interesting thing happens after that verse. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Now, look, think about it. If you were a blind man in the temple, and you heard all this commotion, and people running and screaming, and, and a whip being cracked, and tables being turned over, you'd be using your cane and knocking people upside the head trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But no, these people, the blind and the lame, they came to him. Why? Because they realized for the first time that all the barriers to God's presence had been removed. So what he did was he shut down the machine. He shut down the artificial revival so that the authentic revival could take place. Mm-hmm. Listen, right now is the perfect time to pray into this moment because the truth is going to make the black church free. And God is going to do what he, do, what he only can do in this situation. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to re- release healing. He's going to release the miraculous if the church will pray. And it will stand for truth and will welcome the Lord into this situation. Not, listen, we have been an idolatrous people ever since the, the civil rights movement with Dr. King. We've been an idolatrous people who have just clung to our leaders, hung on their coattails. And, 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 and listen, they're part of that. There's nothing wrong with us honoring our leaders. Mm-hmm. We need to honor our leaders. I'm not even I'm not even against uh, uh, people giving gifts and money. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying nobody is above the laws of God, right? Or the laws of even the state. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so what I'm saying is this: God is dealing with the idolatry in the church because He's jealous for His bride. Mm-hmm. You know, He's jealous for His black church, His black bride. It's all one church. But I'm talking about the black sector of that church. It's, so- it's Song of Solomon, chapter one, dark but lovely. The black church is dark but lovely. Mm-hmm. He wants to restore the beauty of the black church again. That's right. So anyway. So if there, if there had not been, and I believe this, and we'll close with this, but if there, if there was not uh, a group of people in these churches that were sincere, maybe deceived, you know, or there for whatever reason. I know some people that, that go to these churches just to pray. Right. That, that they're, they're on assignment. Yeah. They're, they're and they on know assignment. all this stuff. They know they everything know that's going, going on. on. And they're mature intercessors and God love them. They stay in there and they're on their post. Yeah. You know, and we so, pray your strength in the Lord too, but go ahead. Yeah. So if, if they weren't in there, then this wouldn't even be, this thing wouldn't have even been exposed. No. We wouldn't even be here right now. Right. But I believe that there are those that are involved, those that are in those situations that God wants out. And he's ready right. to call them out. Right. And so those that are in there that were planted there by him to intercede, they're the ones that's going to open the door and say, okay, now it's time to move because right. the judgment of God is here. For we need to pray that we're on the right side in this whole matter and make sure that, you know, God finds us doing what it is that we're supposed to do. I just, because, want, to be, I just want to be found faithful, right. Doc. At right. the end of the day, <laughs> I just want to be found and, faithful. And that's what, you know, that's what people need to realize, you know. A lot of people don't want to put their mouth on this situation or even deal with it because, well, I've, I've messed up and I'm not perfect. And that was the first thing, you know, Eddie Long got up and said, I never said I was a perfect man. Well, the charges aren't about being perfect. You know, what we're talking about, we're talking about people that are a part of a filthy organization, 
uh, doing things, using the scripture, using the Bible as a way to manipulate and different things like that. And that is what God is cleaning us up. Yeah, we've all made mistakes. We've all erred. And God forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive us. But you have to have a heart of repentance to do that. Right. And that heart of repentance means that not only am I going to say I'm sorry, but I'm going to turn from it and not do it again. But if you're arrogant and say, you know what, Lord, forgive me, but I'm going to keep doing it, then you aren't forgiven for your sin. You know, it's the difference between Saul and David. You know, Saul was uh, had the anointing stripped from him because he didn't have a true heart of repentance. You know, but David, when he sinned, he had a true heart of repentance, a true heart to turn. I mean, he wrote the whole book of Psalms crying out to God, asking for another opportunity. So this is what we need to realize. There is a difference here. So don't feel bad because you're hurting for these young boys and you want to see justice in this situation there's nothing wrong with that and this doesn't shine a light on you to say okay well let's look at your life and are you perfect no it's not about being perfect it's about us upholding a standard you know i did that blog i'm not perfect but the gospel i preach is it's about the perfect gospel of jesus that is what we're all after so we got to make sure that we keep the church clean the best we know how to do and lift up the standard that god upholds in the word of god so i appreciate you coming will and i know we covered a lot of things on here some of them are very very deep and we just pray that those that hear this some of you want to get out of these situations some of you have been victimized in these situations and and you want to you know get out uh we're constantly praying for you and you're able to contact you know our ministry if that is is the case you can email us or whatever and we'll try to send you to someone that can actually help you we have a lot of friends that deal with a lot of these things if you're struggling in homosexuality yeah there is freedom for it there's freedom for it my good friend dl foster he'll be glad to help you out of that and so we've got a lot of different ministries all across the nation really all across the world that could help you so you know Get out of the sin because yeah. Jesus is soon to come. I mean, we're right. seeing the signs now more than ever before. And this right here is a very big sign because God, when he goes for purification and he goes for cleansing and when he goes to get his people out of a burning building, you better know that the buildings are going to burn down to the ground. Yes, sir. Yes. So anyway, uh, we'll be back with another X-Cast real soon. Thank you, Will, for coming on again. God bless you, sir.